Hello and welcome to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Megan Sunday. And I'm Bo North. On this show, we are discussing Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter, and this week we'll be talking about chapter 22 and the end of book one. Woo, we did it. Book one of the novel Dune, not yeah. like Dune the novel. It's no. There's sections. There's yeah. books within books. And this it's is the divided end of that book. into what did we dis- discuss? Like three or four books? I think yeah. it's four. I, I think it's four. Yeah. So uh, the end of book one, the end of the first chunk, which you think, oh yay, the end of the first book, and then I like look at the paperback, and I'm like, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> There's no. still so much. <laughs> What the have we done? Are happening. <laughs> Someone asked me yesterday, "Are you doing all of the the Dune books?" I'm like, um, <laughs> in if, theory, if we live that long, <laughs> I'm not. As a- if this doesn't become a Raisin and the Beast podcast, as we promised <laughs> yeah. on Twitter, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could talk about Wit and Hattie all day. Honestly, all day, it's so but, good. Uh, yeah. That is not why we're here. We're here to talk about Dune. Alas, we are. We're here to talk about Dune and we're here to sing about it. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to read the lyrics of this awesome song for you guys. O seas of Caledon, O people of Duke Leto, Citadel of Leto fallen, fallen forever. From Songs of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Hot, <laughs> sure. hot track. For the summer. <laughs> Slaps. Yes, the number one song of the summer. <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone wants to have that hot girl summer. No, we're having the Citadel of Lido Fallen. Fallen yeah, forever summer. It's called My Dad's Dead. Yeah. And I'm a real pill about it. Yeah. Oh, boy, Megan. We uh, had a tough time with this chapter, didn't we? We very much did. Because like, this is... Paul is coming into his own, and that means he's being a real piece of work. Yeah, I mean, I I remembered like reading this part and being like, okay, yes, things are happening. Like, I mean, I was excited, and and it is kind of exciting. There are things happening that you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's just like, do you have to be such a dick about it, Paul? <laughs> do you? <laughs> oh uh. God, this is like both like the worst of. Like, people that become, like, you know, the sort of firebrand sort of leader character that people sort of flock to. Like, it's the worst of that and the worst of a a teenage boy, of a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. That's why you should never make your messiah a 15-year-old. Please don't do this. (laughs) It is terrible. Teenagers are awful. Oh, and they've got powers. Oh, it's even worse. Hasn't anyone ever read an X-Men comic? Like, come on. <laughs> I teens. read Generation X. <laughs> oh, so did I. There's yeah. your teens. There's some power teens yeah. of the 90s. <laughs> Chamber. <laughs> oh, he's kind of the Paul. Yeah. I can he is kind of the Paul. Hmm. How do you talk? <laughs> Never was quite sure. Anyhow, uh, so Paul and Jessica are in a yes. tent. Yeah. A still tent. That's an important. I guess it's like collecting the moisture as they breathe or whatever, which doesn't seem like. Seems like it would be kind of a limited oxygen supply. I don't know. Like if it's not breathable, how are they getting air? (laughs) So they're in this tent. Um, there's like the it it all came out of this the pack that was left in the ornithopter by Mm -hmm. Doctor Yui, and turns out. 
that the uh, vehicle that was coming for them when we last saw them was not, in fact, piloted by the Harkonnen, but was, in fact, piloted by Duncan Idaho, who yeah. woke up. Yeah, so I guess, like, he got them to safety and the or to, you know, like, into hiding, but then mm-hmm. what? He went back? He went to go find the Fremen, I believe. Okay, right, right. Um, and... Paul's a little upset that he's hiding, even though he's the Duke. Mm-hmm. But, like, dude, for what? Like, what are you going to do out there? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. They should have ra- sent him to be raised, like, unknown of his future, like a Luke Skywalker. I agree, from, honestly. You know, the Chronicles of Prydain. Like, just go and be raised somewhere in a yeah. farm. Considering how this chapter plays out, yeah, I can't help but agree um jessica is like explaining to paul why she thinks you would betray her but he's like he's over there thinking like oh my mom's so slow she's only just now getting it like you only just now got it (laughs) you you guys have been in this situation for the exact same amount of time you have not you're not so far ahead of her and he's he's already thinking about how he's already noticing so many things and everything's opening up. Mm-hmm. He knew that it was Duncan Idaho by the way that he flew the ornithopter. Uh, yeah. Because I guess it's just, he's probably just doing it so cool. Yeah. Uh, very well, cool I think, Dameron. I think, I guess it's important to note too that uh, the, like his Mintat abilities seem to be kind of kicking into high gear right now. Uh. And yeah, so Jessica's just like, well, I guess because the Harkonnens had Yui's wife, he must mm-hmm. have betrayed us because he thought he could get her back. And Paul's just like, oh my god, mom, you're just now figuring this out. Shut up, kid. Um, he's just always known that. Like, he's like, I already knew. I figured it out when I read Yui's note, which was like five minutes ago. Yeah. So like, calm down. <laughs> okay, calm down, Paul. Like. Okay, fine. You figured it out first. She wasn't that far behind you. You don't have to act like she's in special ed. And he's he's not mourning. Mm-mm. He realizes he knows his father is dead, uh, but and he knows you know he loved his father and he should be upset, but he cannot be upset because he's just too busy bringing in facts and information and Data. processing them. <laughs> Input. He's Johnny Five right now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's gonna read a book real fast uh so he he remembers gurney's saying about you know mood and how it's inconsequential and he's like well maybe that's it maybe i'm just not in the mood to mourn right now sure just deal with it kid like um he's just remembering his his terrible a hashtag terrible purpose right and he's just (laughs) God, he's just so awful. It's just this whole time they're they're he wants to go find the family atomics. Uh and you know, like there's a point where Jessica says, Well, we we have to start thinking about what to do. Because mm-hmm. well no, he says he has to think about what to do because if Duncan can't get to the Fremen and get help, mm-hmm. then what he doesn't know what they're going to do. And and Jessica's like, Well, we can't let that be our only plan. And he's just like, I didn't say it was our only plan. Shut up. Oh, <laughs> this Hi. kid, so grounded. I'm telling uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's just going to lock him in a sleeping bag or something. 
um, get a head start. He wants, she realizes that Paul wants to sort of blackmail the, you know, the emperor and the universe with their, their nuclear weapons. Yep. Great and idea. She's like, that's not great. Cause then all we can do after that is run. Yeah. Um, there's a, they find a radio in the stuff yes. that you gave them. So they're like listening to some of the, you know, they're able to pick up some of the transmissions and. And they can hear the Atreides men saying, like, they're start a car pretending to be Atreides and sacking the Carthag, Carthag and the guild banks. So the point of that is that they're trying to make it look like, you know, make the Atreides the enemy of the guild. Mm -hmm. Because the guild is the most powerful entity in the universe. Like, yeah, the guild controls everything. And Paul's like, I expected that they would do that. Mm. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> She's like, Real what? Real smart. Jessica's like, uh, yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, what now? Yeah, there's a part, you know, she's saying that they're using Sardaukar, so we have to wait for all of them to be withdrawn. And he says, well, it doesn't no, matter. they don't want to do that. And she, they can, Jessica, they cannot go on indefinitely risking exposure of the Emperor's part in this. Can't they? Some of our people are bound to escape. Are they? <laughs> uh, it's just the worst. It's the, the very worst. Yeah. And so the Harkonnens are definitely winning. Yeah. Um, Paul goes, thinks about the, the pack and all the stuff that's in it. And it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, she says, you know, if we leave, then Duncan can't find us. Uh, so, okay. Poor Duncan. <laughs> Jessica says, well, if we leave here, Idaho can't find us. And he says, there are ways to make any man talk. If Idaho hasn't returned by dawn, we must consider the possibility he has been captured. How long do you think he could hold out? <laughs> the question required no answer. And she sat in silence. Sorry, Duncan. Poor Duncan. Uh, it's not your strong suit, buddy. Mm -mm. Maybe they'll just get you drunk again. Yeah. <laughs> then he'll, he'll spill all the beans. He'll spill all that tea if you get him drunk. <laughs> He'll just start talking about everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jessica thinks about, about how she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's thinking this was the daughter that the Bene Gesserit commanded me to have. But, you know, she's not going to change anything. Like, I'm this baby is just a baby and it's just, yeah. you know, life in the middle of all of this destruction. Uh, would that that were the case. But yeah. <sighs> oh, I think it's important to note too, like with the spacing guild against them, they have no chance of getting off of Arrakis now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also Paul is starting to realize like they're they couldn't leave even if they wanted to because they'd have to bring like a horde of spice with them because they're now like he's like, Oh shit, it's in everything here. We're addicted to spice. Yeah. Just by being here. So we'd have to bring like a horde of spice with us wherever we go. That would be bound to run out at some point. So they can't really run anyway. They're stuck there. Which is, I think, like, a nice and effective way to give it, like, a claustrophobic sort of, like, feeling and, and, and ramp up the tension in this mm -hmm. chapter. And, like, stuff like that. Like, yes, that's that's pretty good storytelling and it's effective. If just Paul could just keep his shitty opinions <laughs> to himself, this would have landed a lot neater. So he Paul starts to look at all the stuff that's in their survival kit, mm -hmm. and it's extensive. 
Yeah. And Jessica's still saying, well, like, where could we go? And he says, well, this is what my father was talking about in terms of desert power. You know, the Harkonnens can't rule the planet without controlling the desert. And they'll never control the desert. Like, they've, ne- they've never ruled this planet. No one has. Yeah. And he says, you know, all of this equipment is so advanced to live, you know, out in the desert. Um, the guild wants a price for satellites that's crazy that no one could pay. Yep. And she's just like, I don't why are you talking about weather satellites? And then she kind of gets it. And, you know, he points out, you know, the satellites watch the terrain and somebody doesn't want things that are in the deep desert to be seen. And that's when she says, are you saying it's the guild? And he says, she was so slow. Well, he thinks it. (laughs) Yeah. Like, don't think that about your mother. No, it's rude. And he, re- you know, he tells her it's the Fremen. Like the Fremen are really the ones in control. Yeah, they've been paying the guild with they spice. They control this place. They have all the power. They have all the money. He who controls the spice controls the universe. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "You're not even a menta yet, so I don't want to hear this." <laughs> <laughs> and he says, "I, I'll never be a menta." Yeah, I'm a freak. I'm a freak, which I can't help but hear in this sullen teen voice. I'm a freak, mom. <laughs> it's just <laughs> what's wrong with me. <laughs> so she just reads some of the book. Uh, <laughs> she's just yeah. like, I'm just gonna. I'd love to give you a hug, but you're kind of being a jerk, and I can tell you wouldn't take it well. So I'm just gonna read this little book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she realizes that. A Benny Gesserit manipulator of religions has clearly been to Arrakis. Yes. Uh, which is Interesting. very important. Yeah. This is all very important that this is this is, you know, been kind of these blah, language. I'm not a mentat. Uh, <laughs> these sorts of these things have been laid out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the the path has been cleared for them. Um and he's just, Paul kind of points out still, he's still on this role that all the stuff, all the equipment that they've gotten to survive in the desert that the Fremen make is so advanced and sophisticated that they can't just be a culture of people that, you know, are downtrodden and, mm-hmm. you know, just live out in the desert. And it's like, okay, great, you know, <laughs> we get it. Uh, Paul realizes that this is the point that he should tell his mom the message that his father left for her with Paul, which is awkward. Yes. <laughs> and that, you know, he, sh- but it's also, he, and he notices this, you know, that it, he, he does find, he is shocked that he is this logical about it, but mm-hmm. he realizes that he needs to tell her now while she has time to, to grieve. Yeah. And to be sad about the message because later on, there's not going to be time for that. Yeah. Too much on the line. Uh, so, the message was that he ne- that Leto never distrusted Jessica. He never really thought she was the spy. And that yeah. he always loved her and trusted her and that he should have d- married her. Yeah, and Jessica starts to cry and I, I found it very affecting. Mm-hmm. Like, I was sad for her and she, she immediately thinks it's a terrible waste of moisture, but I feel like that's just something to, like, deflect the fact that she was actually crying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, she's, like, a month pregnant so i'm surprised that she isn't crying yeah like, like all the time <laughs> you know she didn't you know read a really effective passage in this 
Fremen manual and just go, oh my god, it's a picture of Muad'Dib. It's a little mouse. <laughs> it's just a that little mouse. Been more realistic, but I guess the Bene Gesserit yeah. have a little better control on their pregnancy hormones. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she thinks about, uh, you know, that there's not much that can be, can be done. Mm -hmm. She's kind of despairing a little bit, I think. Yeah. Which that's totally fine and understandable and a thing that a person in that, anyone in that situation, any normal person in that situation would do. Yeah. Um, she, uh. Recites. They apparently still have Ecclesiastes in uh, in the future. That's in yeah. that that OC Bible. Yeah, I was laughing because like if I was like, this is the lyrics to that Yardbird song, <laughs> like a time for hope, a time for hate, a time for love, a time for yeah, a time for war, a time for peace. Which is it's just like they got from from the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe in the future we have just gotten it from the Yardbird. I, I prefer to think of it that way because, like, it's not explicitly biblical, and like in the song, it's also not explicitly well, biblical. The, the Orange Catholic Bible just appears to be if the entire Bible was just proverbs. Yeah, I mean, as uh, previous guest John McCoy had pointed out, like it's mm -hmm. pretty much just like it's nonsense <laughs> proverbs and like Hallmark religion, basically. Yeah, it's it's there's no. That we're told there's no actual. Do you people. think there's a live, laugh, love verse in the Orange Catholic Bible? Probably. <laughs> yeah. In this house. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely that. Uh, but I, yeah, there's no real reference to like, there's no Jesus or no. just any sort of actual people or figures. It's well, just there's all especially not going to be a Messiah Roberts. because that's Paul. Uh, yeah, you're not going to have any kind of Christ figures because that's supposed to be our boy. And I'd also like to point out that Jesus only sassed off his mom once in the Bible. And <laughs> he was a grown man by that point, which still doesn't make it okay, but at least he wasn't 15. No, true. <laughs> uh, although we don't really get that in the Bible, maybe when he was 15. Like, we don't know. That's true. Uh, Skips so a lot. Yeah, because he was just being a real pill. And they were like, we're not writing this down. <laughs> Nothing to talk about here. <laughs> I'm a freak, Mom. What'd you make me? Oh, Stupid dad's an archangel. So uh, now Paul starts seeing the future. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And he starts to see the future, but not in any kind of cool way. In no. a very... Um, ominous many paths way well he sees two main paths am mm -hmm. i am i right and like one of them now correct me if i'm wrong i wrote this in in our show notes but like for me when he's seeing one path he sees him confronting the baron mm -hmm. and to me it's like ultimately what alia does later in the book like, is he seeing her path, too? or Because it was a little... I mean, I, mean I, I guess, like, it was a possible future for him. But maybe, like, were all of his possible futures also her possible futures, too? Because she was supposed... I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of spewing a little bit here. 
you know, partially I would think that uh, because I don't know Ollie's eventual fate. I don't think was a possible fate for Paul mm. uh, because he wasn't born under the same circumstances. True. Um, but I do think that that could be, you know, sort of. It, also, it's not as if he necessarily gets to do a ton of the confrontation in that capacity, but I guess, you know, he's seeing all futures. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess this is probably the point where I should say that once these books start really talking about seeing the future is when I go, what? Because <laughs> that's just like time travel, and I cannot deal with time travel. <laughs> Unless it's very straightforward. I mean... I still, at times, I'm like, did I understand the time traveler's wife? <laughs> yeah, I'm rewatching Fringe right now, and I'm kind of getting into the. There's a lot of like parallel universe and time travel stuff, so I I'm just like, like okay, I need a flowchart. Uh, but he decides now. This is when he's gonna start getting mad. He. So he starts like sort of seeing everything and his brain is sort of calculating all of this information and he's seeing all of these different paths and he thinks that he's a monster. He starts to kind of flip out. He starts pounding the floor with his fists. Mm-hmm. Uh, his mom's oh, like, Whoa. has he already given her her the big reveal? Not yet. This okay. is coming. Yeah. She's just like, well, what's going on? He says, you know... This is what he starts doing the whole, like, what have you done to me? You yeah. did this. Um, Your training did this. Your blood did this. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you didn't want a son. You wanted a quiz at Chatterack. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you even ask my dad? Like, no, obviously she didn't <laughs> ask your dad. Well, <laughs> also, you only exist because she wanted to, like, make your dad happy. Yeah. So. Um, Quit and... your bitching. <laughs> uh, we do get the little, you know... Vaguely, the sleeper has awakened, which is a much bigger thing in the movie than it is in the actual book. But it's a cool phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's just really like, sh- you know, letting it all out on his mom. She could kind of tell he's sort of losing it. He's having a real panic attack here. Uh, you know, he's <laughs> at one point he says, you know, you wanted the Reverend Mother to hear about my dreams. Well, she's not here and you are. So you have to hear it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, uh, this is this is where he points out that the spice is everywhere and that once you have lived on Arrakis, you can't ever really live anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, that's part of why all of this stuff is starting to happen to him because the spice is activating all these sections in his brain, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's more intense out there in the open desert. Yeah. Closer to the source. And it's in everything. I mean, yeah. it's in the food and just it's stuff that's flat out made with it. And then it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. It can't be good for your lungs. Like <laughs> glitter. When that uh, when I die, they'll cut me open and it'll just be glitter. I'll just be packed with it. <laughs> Fabulous. And it'll be all over the board. They'll never get rid of it. Uh, so Jessica's just like, so I guess we live here forever. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, so now he's mad. And he's like, I'm going to tell you about my dream. And he tells her, you know, first of all, first things first, I know that you are pregnant with my sister. 
and that you were going to have her here in Arrakis. And she's like, wait, what? <laughs> Rude. Uh, that we will, that they're going to find a home with the Fremen because they everything's set for them because of the Missionaria Protectiva, which he's just like, Jessica's like, wait, how do you even know about, oh, crap, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then he just, yeah, he just starts talking about seeing all the different paths and seeing all the different futures. And Jessica's just like, ah, boy. <laughs> she compares him to pictures of children that she has seen who have uh, lived through terrible tragedies. Trauma, yeah. Yeah. So that's, like that's a real pleasant. A shell-shocked kid or whatever. And she thinks that she she's like genuinely terrified of him in that moment. She's like freaking out. Uh, she still sort of thinks that the one thing that they have to worry about are the Harkonnens. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, we don't have to run away to the desert. You know, we don't have to hide. We can evade them and, you know, figure something out. And you want to take it? Yeah. He, well, at first he says, like, don't waste any of your time on those something like, you know, worthless humans or something. And she's like, uh, Paul, we don't call other people worthless humans. <laughs> like, yes, the Hargonans are bad, but we don't talk that way about our fellow man. <laughs> He's like, not me. I'm something different. And then he tells her... You're a Harkonnen. We're Harkonnen. Yes. Ba, ba, ba. I know. And she's just like, well, maybe it was some like rogue branch of the family, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, you're the Baron's daughter. Like, look at your face. Go to a mirror. Look at me. So I'm going to be real fair. I think that's exactly why in the movie Lynch was just like, they all have red hair. Yeah. Because you are not going to look at jessica and the baron and be like oh yeah oh i totally see it yeah (laughs) (laughs) jessica watch watch your calorie intake now because oh boy (laughs) you have a propensity right (laughs) uh you know he says that baron the baron's done a lot in his day yeah he's been pretty you know adventurous uh i (laughs) i do like that that's he's saying that the baron you know has done a lot of stuff he sampled many pleasures mm-hmm. and like one time he had sex with a woman because it's basically what it boils down to he allowed himself to be seduced by a someone that he didn't realize i guess was benny Jesuit. can you imagine <sighs> seducing the baron no oh no stop <laughs> nope <laughs> drinking drinking more oh god <laughs> Yeah, I'll drink to that. Ooh. Uh, but it's just, I, I think he later is revealed to have known, but I can't remember if that is in the these books or if that is a a Brian. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, as far as I know, the only like sort of indication we get is later with Alia and mm-hmm. everything that happens with her which who knows like I, I it's been a while since I've read it so I guess we'll get more he's into not that. super stunned yeah. when Alia reveals their relationship right so we'll get more into that when we get into Children of Dune I believe uh, so she's Jessica starts to put all these pieces together and realizes mm-hmm. that that's the case um 
he she realizes that she's thinking oh shit i gotta reach out to the to the sisterhood like they need to know some shit's happening like we got a quitsaw's hatterack on our hands and paul is like uh -uh. <laughs> he 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 says he's not that he says he's something completely else Ugh, <laughs> uh, of course he's special He's something unexpected. And I like this. You can't just be the Quizatch Hatterack. You gotta be something extra special cool. Yeah, but I like this. But it's like true. This. He's not the Quizatch Hatterack. He says he's a seed, which I like because it's true. He is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not the, you know, the quote-unquote chosen one. He's, I mean, you could say he is a Quizatch Hatterack. I think, yeah, I think that's But he's the, not yeah. the. Yeah. No. Uh, guess who is, guys? Oh, ho, ho. oh boy, oh boy. Just you wait. Just uh, you wait. Sorry, I don't want to have to pay <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> is, was Alexander Hamilton a quiz at Chatterick? Um, he like really. So. <laughs> uh, then he's a real jerk, even thinking, because he refers to her in his head as mother mine, which mm. just sounds like a real jerky thing to say. You know what? You it's know there's a tone. It sounds like something that the Baron would say. Yes, it does. You are right. Oh, my God. I think he is embracing his Harkonnenness. Oh, he's got to start talking with real via the couplets, yes. <laughs> um, so he's just like, yeah, we're going to live among the Fremen. You're going to have the blue eyes. You're going to get a callus from your still suit uh, tube. And you will have my sister, St. Yeah. Alia of the Knife. Which, oh. Like, I got chills, like, imagining your son telling you what you're going to name your daughter. And the same yeah. part, like, ugh. Well, I don't know if he mentions all that. Yeah. But, and somewhere, Duncan Idaho goes, huh? <laughs> uh. Uh. <laughs> uh, so then, yeah, she says, if you're not the Quizzed Chatterack, then what? He's like, you couldn't possibly know. <laughs> this is the part where I started imagining Jack Nicholson's Joker, like the <laughs> way do they get a load of me? <laughs> like I could not stop thinking of it through this part. He puts down he, the paper. He's very much like they haven't seen anything like me before, and he, you just wait till they see what I can do, and it's very much like that. I'm just like Paul, calm down. So he starts to have another vision. Uh, and his ter his terrible purpose. Hashtag yes. terrible purpose. Yeah, capital T, capital P. Uh, and he sees two main branches. One is the one where he confronts the Baron mm -hmm. and says, hello, grandfather. Which, yeah, I think that that is sort of, because that's what Alia says to him at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he knows it's going to happen, but he the thought of that path sickens him. So, whoo. <laughs> Then the other path, there's a lot of stuff he can't see. Yeah, there's a lot of gray area. But he starts to see violence. He sees a religion forming, a warrior religion. Mm -hmm. uh, his under banner. His banner. All across uh, the universe. A shrine from his father's, of his father's skull. Ooh. He's just like, no, we can't do that because that's what the Bene Gesserit want. Mm -hmm. uh, but... He realizes that the only thing that could possibly stop all of these different things that are happening, the, you know, the Bene Gesserit, the Emperor, the Harkonnens, everyone is trying to, like, make this, you know, they're all racing, as he thinks of it. They're all racing along this path, and the only way to stop them from racing 
is a jihad. Yes. And he says, like, well, I couldn't possibly start a universal jihad. No, certainly no. not. <laughs> that doesn't sound like anything I'd do. No. And Megan and Bo look around at other things. Yeah. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> uh, and so Jessica's just like, so we're going to live with the Fremen then? <laughs> Like, I, I'm really just tired and just tell me what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm pregnant. I don't want to think. I'm or... tired. My The love of my life is dead. You yeah. are just whatever is happening here. <laughs> this um, is a lot right now. I just need lot. a nap. <laughs> She's like, when Duncan saved us before, he totally tried to make out with me. But mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't happen in the book. But I think it probably, you know. There was like a long hug. He might have gone in for a, a kiss and she turned her face <laughs> to the cheek. He did the really long hug. Yeah. It was just, it was longer and longer and it was like, Dun- Duncan. Yeah. Duncan, we gotta go in the tent. <laughs> um, uh, and he says, yeah, that's gonna happen. That's one of the ways. Yeah. And they will call me Muadib. The mouse. The little mouse. The one who points, points the, the way. way. Yeah. And then he decides. Hey, he I realizes can, he I can, can cry, cry about my dad now. Yeah, and he cries. Yeah. He actually <sighs> acts like a human being. <laughs> Which. Uh, Finally. <laughs> Finally. And that that is the end of book one. That's where we leave. Yes. That's where we leave our cast of characters. Oh, boy. <laughs> we need a break. I don't know about he you, Megan. <laughs> start. Yeah, I mean. And that is one of those segments in a book where, especially when you've read it, mm-hmm. when you get the character going, I couldn't possibly yeah. do this thing. And you're just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like whenever they do jokes in historical fiction mm-hmm. where, you know, somebody's like, oh, who's who wants to come over for dinner? Benjamin Franklin. I don't like him. Like, he's just an old, like, pervert. <laughs> yeah. He'll never accomplish anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> or uh, my personal favorite, which is in the very first episode of The Tudors, when Henry VIII is walking <laughs> with Thomas More and says, now, Thomas, you're no saint. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Reese Myers had to go and just, like, take a few breaths after having to say that line. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> so i i mean spoiler alert he's gonna start a universal job <laughs> yeah one that will uh, only be continued and expanded upon and yeah people it's are a... gonna get real carried away with this iconography of paul yeah it's gonna his, be a hell of a thing his place in the universe and as as muadib you know, I think um, that's one of the things I really like about the later books is that Paul and Wadib are so diminished in comparison mm-hmm. uh, with other things that yeah. it's it's like almost like a relief. You know what I mean? Like all of this thousands of years, like, of course, it, it was just this beginning of a series of like a chain of events. Yeah. But we don't have to linger on it for all fucking time. So but that's it's, good. 
And it is this idea, as you know, we've said in the past, how you know one of Frank Herbert's big things was to you know not don't have heroes. Yeah. And you know, Paul is is this chosen one, is this hero, except that he's not. He's and, not heroic in the least. No. And he will eventually not be nothing, not mm-hmm. be inconsequential necessarily, but there are bigger things. Definitely diminished. He is not the end. Yeah. As it is, you know, you you often think that you know the hero. The chosen one is, you know, the end. Yeah. But he's no, not. in this in this case, the beginning. it's very much the beginning. And it's interesting to think of it like that, like as annoying as Paul is and like as necessary as his journey is through this book in order for future events to happen. Like in the long run, like almost none of this matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the fact that he's mean to Jessica in a tent is not going to matter three thousand years in the future no yeah nope 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 and that's and that's interesting because i i have found in a lot of fantasy and whatnot that i've read that sometimes that can be very disappointing Mm -hmm. when you get to a segment where it's like oh now these books like the shannara books did that a lot where it's like now this next book is about these characters great-grandchildren and you're like but i like those other characters (laughs) (laughs) why can't all the books be about them i like them the best but i guess i can learn to love these new ones yeah but i kind of just wish that they were about the old ones because okay um but there's you know there's more people to come yeah i mean it's just interesting to think about like as my as like tense and intense as this as all of this is and Paul like I think it is important to note like yes he is the protagonist of this book but is he a hero is he Mm -hmm. heroic are the things that he does from this point forward even like are could they ever be called heroic yeah and you really have to think about that because from where most sane people sit no I mean survival does not equal heroism I will give him that yes yeah but at the same time, like, was a jihad necessary? Right. You think that maybe there could have been a couple other options, right? That he just didn't didn't take. Yeah. But. So, what are your what are your overall thoughts on as we wrap up book one of Dune? Like, how do you feel like it's going so far? Rereading it this time. It's it's so interesting to reread it yeah. because. I do think that it's a book that shifts a lot based on where you are in your life. Yeah. I was and... just about to say that. Like, rereading it now in my 40s is a vastly different experience mm-hmm. than I had reading it in my 20s. Exactly. And it's... Yeah, I I, there, I have such less patience for a lot of it. And I think <laughs> just because... I think part of that is that as a society we are awash in chosen one narratives yeah uh there's just you know every other saga and series has has something and then there's another one and oh you know is who's this new chosen one and Mm -hmm. i think it can it suffers as we said before from the fact that even though it was sort of first there's Mm -hmm. been so much after it that took from it that now it does at times feel kind of like a high now yeah and it also because like I I know this story I know this story I know the movie I know the miniseries mm-hmm. like I know the story, uh, which helps I think 
be able to look back at it at, for, with more of a critical eye because I know the beats. So it's like, okay, yeah, I kind of know what's going to happen so I could take a closer look at how people are reacting in a scene. Who's saying what precisely? Yeah, because you're not like trying to rush through to get to the next point of action. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what happens next because you already kind of know. So you're able to like spend more time and focus in on like the smaller details, which I will give Herbert this like, this is an incredibly detailed world he's created, and it's an incredibly like detailed plot. Mm-hmm. Like it is intricate, it is detailed. There is a lot. There are a ton of moving parts to it. Like he definitely like <laughs> crafted one hell of a story. Do I think that it all holds up all these years later? Well, I mean, I feel like it can be improved upon in a lot of ways that's why i'm very like why we talk so much about this new movie coming out because we want to see how like this current generation of filmmakers interprets this work like Mm -hmm. is it going to be so faithful to the point where it keeps all the shit that's really offensive and problematic yeah or is it going to make it accessible for everybody and that is something else that's happened more reading it now because even in my 20s i think i was so used to just accepting certain aspects of narrative totally totally. you know like oh well of course the the baron is evil so he's it's this checklist of evil evil traits like sure okay you know it bugs me but am i going to really like think about it too hard no Mm -hmm. i'm not yeah you probably the first time you read this like me you probably weren't like stewing over the fact that you know he keeps talking about how fat the baron is it was just a thing about him but Mm -hmm. like now as an older person it's just like i feel like this was totally unnecessary (laughs) like you can call him fat he can be a fat villain but it was the fact that like his fatness is part of what makes him a villain like, now that I'm older and have had, you know, a few knocks about life at this point, like, mm-hmm. I feel like that is, like, as we said in our last episode, like, fatness and maybe, like, effeminacy are, like, used as shorthand for villainy and yeah. something that just does not fly now. And I'm not saying I'm, like, so woke or anything, <laughs> but I can recognize bullshit when I see it. <laughs> exactly yeah (laughs) i mean it's the same thing we're currently you and i and some friends of ours were rereading the stand right now and i was just getting very annoyed because harold lauder is another character that he's like he was fat he was fat 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 he was also a creep but he was so fat and i'm just like jesus christ (laughs) isn't it enough that he's just a creep does he you have to keep harping on the fact that he's fat Well, and that's something that I think also ties into the changes that can then be made because in the Stan miniseries, he's not, you know, he's Koronemic. He's not, he's not fat. He's just a creep. Yeah. And it still works perfectly well. Totally. You know, and I think that there is an element. uh, I think part of the issue with the Baron is like nothing ever changes. Like he is what he is. At least Harold, you know, remains a creep, but there's a specific point where his, his outer self starts to become more quote-unquote you know acceptable acceptable. yeah you know he starts to lose weight and his skin gets better but he's still a creep yeah (laughs) um so 
I, I can sort of see that where it's like the Baron, there there is no growth for the Baron. There no. is no there He's is already no done all of his growing and changing. That's not gonna and happen. And I don't think there was any ever at any no. point. Um and he definitely should have they should have had some sort of like ward system <laughs> in that universe. Because well, I was reading ahead and there are characters later on who think that, you know, Fade could have been probably a pretty decent person if he hadn't been raised by the Baron. Sure. Which, yeah. I mean they were just totally. like, maybe if they'd sent him somewhere else. And it's like, yeah, maybe your universe should have like adopted that as <laughs> a policy. Yeah. I mean, good people come out of bad families all the time. Yeah. I think I think the other thing with Dune, the first one, is that it has not yet gotten as weird as it wants to be. No, not quite. I feel like he was kind of testing the waters. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Like this, I feel like this whole first book, actually, like not book one, but like the whole book of Dune is really just testing the waters of how weird he wants to get. And believe me, listeners, he gets really weird later. Uh, yeah, it gets <laughs> so weird. Dune is weird. Dune is deeply it's just weird. The first book is it's not quite as weird as it could be. Yeah, no. <laughs> In later books, they get much weirder. Yeah, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to chair dogs yet. Ah! <laughs> oh, I think our chair dog discussion was in our my- mythical lost episode. Oh, yes, yes, we did. Uh, um... So I hate chair dogs, which are a thing that show up in <laughs> later books. Uh, it is a living chair. Yeah. That, like, touches you when you sit in it. Mm-hmm. And it sort of, like, customizes itself to you, which, all right, fine. But this is not like when you go to Brookstone at the mall and sit in one of these chairs. Like, no. this is a living chair that is genetically, like, modified and was maybe a dog at some point and yep. it like touches you and strokes you and stuff when you sit in it and it's disgusting it is really creepy <laughs> it's one of the worst things yeah if you're sitting universe. here thinking that that this book is deeply weird like hold on to your freaking hats people because we have not even thing. gotten to chair dogs yet. it's just it's just window dressing. It's just yeah. set design. We haven't gotten to Golas. We haven't gotten. Oh to, gosh. Yeah. Like there's a get lot. Get ready for Golas. <laughs> yeah. That's the children's version of Dune. Is get ready for Golas. <laughs> I want to put that on a t-shirt. Should we yes. have merch? We should have merch that says <laughs> we can have a t-shirt that says like Dune is deeply weird, and another <laughs> that says get ready for Golas. I love I, it. I love it. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Before I forget it, <laughs> that'll be the but... tagline for this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, chair dogs, they're the worst <laughs> nightmares. Oh, futars, chair dogs, <laughs> futars are like cat people, yeah, that are just made for kicks. I think, We're yeah, just, made for, just for, for funsies. Kicks. <laughs> uh, yeah. there are a lot like for all the for this book so far the harkonnens are kind of like the enemy mm-hmm. there are so many awful people in the universe there really are and we i mean i think i feel like the second book like doom messiah just kind of jumps like dunks you right into that yeah yeah 
they uh this one is sort of still a very basic kind of sci-fi fantasy mm-hmm. you know warring houses and chosen one narrative yeah the and sort then, of nobility you know uh vendetta sort of thing. yeah uh so that's so much to look forward to i mean this one will get weird i mean we're by the end of this book there's gonna be a five-year-old talking in an adult voice Mm -hmm. who kills people with a knife yes so she does indeed and she's amazing (laughs) yeah we love we love her we love our girl um very very much there was some shade thrown at her on twitter recently i'm not having it it was entertaining shade so i'll accept it but <laughs> alia is great yeah she's pretty good for alia we need a few more women to liven this sausage fest up a bit <laughs> well soon we'll see the fremen and there's you know there's women a in... lot of there's women and this or, is like know. i'm i'm excited to get into that because the fremen at least have like i feel like there's a little more equality in the between the sexes with the fremen not mm-hmm. as much as I want, but more. Not, well, I think that's an interesting place to bring up that movie rumor. Which one? The gender swap. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there is a rumor going around on Twitter this past week uh, that Liette has been mm-hmm. gender swapped as and will be a woman, played by a woman, and that... Cheney will be the daughter of Liette and Stilgar. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, I don't have a problem with this. Do you? Nope. I don't really see why it matters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really it really doesn't matter. Is Cheney's mother ever even in... Isn't she dead by the time Paul meets I think she's dead. Yeah, so... She's not even a factor, so I think this is actually more interesting in a like a more interesting way to present the character of Liet. Mm-hmm. So I'll be interested to see like if that ends up being true. We do know this rumor is, I think, has been confirmed, but they have pushed the release date back a month. Yes. Which I think <laughs> it was fun to watch the progression of notifications because um, I think I feel like a lot of the Dune podcasts get notified like, you know, uh, they at us on all the same tweets. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of it was like, oh my, you know, to watch the progression of the initial, like, freak out. And people were, like, really upset at first. And then, kind of the, like, okay, this is actually a better time to release it. Okay, everything's fine. Okay, this is actually a good thing. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah. I didn't jump in just because, you know, I, I figured it'll be fine. We're going to see it either way. Uh, yeah, and I think, like, December is such a good time for movie releases. I agree. Like, it'll be up against vaguely. I mean, we're not really going to be up against. Yeah. It's going to be Dune. It's going to be. Its own thing. The new Top Gun. Oh. Yeah. Black Widow. Uh, Fast and the Furious 9. Good Lord. <laughs> uh, Eternals. Oh, hmm. Interesting. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Okay. Mm. Uh, Mulan. Well, Wonder Woman and Mulan are both going to be big. Yeah. Box office. And Dune. There it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like the list for this. It's just 
stars Zendaya, Jason, Jason Momoa, Momoa. <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Oscar Isaac. Uh, oh, and the new the new Bond. So oh, I'm sure. excited for that. Which I, and the fam, you know, the the internet boys will be boycotting. So that should be fun. Oh my God. Okay, so here's the thing with that. I think I threatened this and I didn't <laughs> do my rant as intended. There has been no indication that this actress, I cannot think of her name, unfortunately. So the, the big, the big like drama, you know, mm-hmm. ooh, if, uh, about a month ago now was that a new act, an actress mm-hmm. and a black actress was going to be 007 in the new Bond. Yeah. And was, that... do you mean this is not now not happening or? No, it is. I just, yeah. I just like. I was like, don't take this from me. Going back. <laughs> but see, the, so people were losing it. Because yeah. Because it was the same old, you know, oh my God, this and that. Like, can't change James Bond. Okay. She's not playing James, James Bond. Bond. Yeah, I know. I kept trying 007 to 007 is his license to kill number. It's, he, it's like, his designation. Watch, it's, it's not a person. It's his designation. Yeah. Uh, and you only live twice. He's 7777. And I hope that he's 7777 in this one, too, so that everyone has to sit on it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like if you saw Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. Sean Bean, Alex Trevelyan, is 006. Yeah. You know, like, these are just their numbers. If he has retired because of the end of Spectre, he retired, he went off of Leia Sidhu, and they drove off, and it ended better than on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Uh, then he retired. So they don't retire your number. Right. Someone like, else uses your player. number. Yeah, they're going to use that number, and this is the new person who has that number. I doubt she will, unfortunately, I doubt that character will last, like, 20 minutes into the movie. You know, I'm betting there is a sequence where she's 007, and then something happens, and then Bond has to come back, because that's what happens in these now. Like, he's never actually just on a mission. He always has to be brought back, or he's gone rogue or something. Mm -hmm. But just... Stop acting like he was born and christened 007. Yeah. And he didn't have to wait to earn that until he killed that dude in the bathroom. Right. In Casino Royale. And it's very exhausting. Guys, you know, to steal a line you're from being exhausting. another podcast and adapt it slightly. Mm-hmm. Read a fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> He's had another number. Yeah. They thought he was dead and he only lived twice and they transferred him. Tell me about James Bond. Yeah, you know more you know way more about the Bond, like the backstory and everything there. <laughs> like you know mo- way more about that than me. Cause I've always been kind of like vaguely irritated with James Bond stories and like never never completely interested. I, I do like the more recent like Daniel Craig ones for the most part some of them mm-hmm. are hideous but most for the most part they're good um but I I kind of like look forward to see what they do with that yeah. with that series there are so many more interesting it's just like why do you okay guys why do you want to be boring that's what I want to know like why do you just want to be boring and do the same thing over and over again it's so boring like don't be that person like why do you enjoy just being so boring and ruining everyone's fun? Exactly. It's it's the worst, really. Just oh. 
<laughs> also, I, I backed the December list. Godzilla okay. versus Kong. Okay. I'm excited about that, which is apparently starring Alexander Skarsgård. Oh, okay. And my my wife, though she doesn't know it, Rebecca Hall. Okay. Uh, they're still they're still claiming New Mutants. I'm gonna say you're gonna have to fight my dad for Rebecca Hall because he's in <laughs> love with her. <laughs> no, how can I fight Bo's dad? <laughs> Pretty easily. He's not that young. <laughs> <laughs> just ringing their doorbell pardon me sir <laughs> i have to fight you now um yeah i don't know if we'll ever see the new mutants <laughs> to be perfectly honest sorry Maisie Williams. i don't even know what that is is this part of the x-men it's the new mutants was a comic book uh in that sort of the x-men like uh if you remember since you read generation x mm -hmm. uh page uh whose name i cannot remember uh, she has all the different skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her brother, Cannonball, is mm -hmm. in the New Mutants. Okay. That was sort of the beginning of that family, because there's like seven of them, and they're all mutants or something. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, like, Colossus's sister, Ileana, okay. is yep. in there. And, yeah. So it was like the original sort of teen group. Okay. Uh, and so, like, five years ago, they said they were making this movie about the new mutants and it was going to be kind of more of a horror storyline mm. and it's you know and it's you can kind of tell when it was made not that any of these people are quote-unquote you know done but it's you know anya taylor joy mm, right after okay. the witch i like her yeah you know Maisie williams oh uh and the jonathan from stranger things mm-hmm okay Ugh. not a fan <laughs> he's playing cannonball okay uh whose name is i don't even remember sorry guffrey i don't remember your name is uh <laughs> but it's been pushed back for like three years or something and yeah i was gonna say if, this saying, was, if she was in this right after the witch that was a while ago and then the sonic the hedgehog movie <laughs> oh boy oh sorry dune you're out of the water <laughs> when does that sweet sweet cats action hit us uh, the new, I bet that's further down this list because I think that's Christmas as well. Uh, the new Bill and Ted. Okay, I'm going to see that. The, some movie starring Millie Bobby Brown where she's Sherlock Holmes' sister. Oh yeah, the Enola, Enola Holmes yeah. story. Um, big, okay, sorry to interrupt, big quibble, no. big, big, big Ooh, quibble okay. with this movie. What the fuck? Casting henry fucking cavill is sherlock holmes what the fuck is wrong yeah. with you Especially that is since... the worst person you could have cast to play sherlock and holmes he is just a big handsome block of wood like i'm sorry sam clayfin is in this why isn't he sherlock holmes i know right he would have been perfect I... uh, there's so okay, there are so on. many more people i could have picked out of a hat that would have been an ideal Sherlock Holmes. And granted, Sherlock Holmes is not the main character of this story, but no. he does play a big role in it. And Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. Yeah, no one else has characters yet except for uh, Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, and Helena Bonham Carter. Uh, I'm just, I'm extremely. Your man, your man, Burn Gorman. I love him. He's great.
But I'm just um, extremely steamed because yeah, you know how I feel one. about home stories in particular. Yes. Like I am a big, big fan and I'm so fucking sick of Henry Cavill. You guys like <laughs> he's fine. He's fine in most things, but he is a terrible pick for this. I do, I hate the thought of a big, brawny, handsome Sherlock Holmes. It may like this is one thing that I don't like about Holmes fandom in general is the fact that they tend to romanticize the character make him like uh-huh. he is described as handsome in the book but like i don't know they they just make him like too handsome and too approachable and like yeah. not at all the way that he's written well, and i'm not and saying never... that i need it to be totally faithful to this to arthur conan doyle because arthur conan doyle you guys was nuts <laughs> like i don't know hey. if you knew this but he thought fairies were real for a really hey. long time there's nothing wrong with a little woo in your life no that's i mean there's not but also but, the original home stories are not that well written <laughs> they're just not i'm more faithful to the fan to like the fan done story like fan made stories than the original but what always gets to me in any almost any homes adaptation mm-hmm is this need to take antisocial and make it completely asshole. Yeah, this is why elementary and, is the best homes there and is. Like, yeah. I would, you know, not even keeping Sherlock in that because I think making it modern, you know, changes certain elements. But like if you read those stories and if you watch my most beloved adaptation, the Jeremy Brett uh, mm-hmm. television sh- specials, he wasn't like when you watch like the Robert Downey Jr. movies, mm-hmm. he's not going to like go into a restaurant in his shirt sleeves or no. ignore like when a woman walks in. Like even in any of those specials or even in the stories, like if a woman comes in for help, he's going to be kind of like, "Ugh, what could a woman want? But he's still <laughs> going to be like, I'm going to mildly stand up like you may sit down like mm-hmm. he he's a gentleman. Yeah. And not in our modern cadence of just someone who happens to be kind of nice, like an actual like his family probably has a nice little country estate. Yeah. gentleman. Yeah. Like they're brought up to have a certain set of manners and that kind of stuff does not go away because you're super smart. Like, yeah, that's he doesn't not how that care works. much about it. This, but this is why I, I hate Sherlock. Like, I honestly do. Like, I hate this. Like, he's so smart. He's actually a sociopath. Like, yeah. I've known guys that have thought that they were so smart that it gave them an excuse to act like an asshole. And I hate that. I I really don't like that portrayal at all. I do really like Johnny Lee Miller as Sherlock Holmes on Elementary because he does, like, he has respect for other people. He respects the people that he works with. He's a genuinely, like, caring person that just doesn't want to be around other people that much. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I just really have a big quibble with fucking beefy Henry Cavill. <laughs> I'm so fucking sick of Henry Cavill. I can't even tell you. Uh, in the Heights movie, The Conjuring 3... Hey, anytime they want to put Patrick and Vera on my screen. Ooh, <laughs> Venom 2. I'm excited for that. I I'll watch Venom. it. I like the first one. Judge me if you want. It was dumb and it was entertaining. Let's let's keep Tom Hardy working. I agree. He needs more money for more taboo. <laughs> um, the new Halloween, A Quiet Place 2, The New Coming to America. Interesting. 
the sequel to After, which I didn't know did that well. After. After was that book that was Harry Styles fan fiction that was rewritten and was made into a movie. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that's the world we live in right now. <laughs> I mean, uh, I have tons of fan fiction if you guys want to make a movie. Yeah, really. <laughs> like, if anyone's interested. The new trolls. Oh, my God. Ugh, Morbius. <laughs> who could care? Again, to steal from another podcast, who could possibly care? <laughs> my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the new SpongeBob movie, a new Saw movie. Oh, my God. How many movies? Death on the Nile. Okay. Okay. Which is the new, which is still Kenneth Branagh doing Poirot. Oh. Another Army one? Hammer is in it. Oh, well, Army Hammer, that is an inducement, but really, hmm. I, I will not get into anything, but, like, someone needs to teach Army Hammer how to use social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I you did enjoy just... his feud with James Woods, but that was about it. Well, but you, you can't. People on Twitter can see your likes. Yeah. And maybe you don't have to post all of your family videos on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Army. Just a little advice from me to you. That. That uh, Orient Express movie was so bland and forgettable. I didn't see it. Like, it looked nice, but I i mean, I saw it in the theater and I couldn't tell you the first thing about it now. Well, you probably could, but it's just because, like, you know the plot. Because it's yeah. murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, yeah. You're like, do I remember that or do I just remember but, like, the novel? <laughs> n- there was, like, no nuance in it. Like, nothing in it that, you know, made it original or unique or interesting. Like you can you can retell a story and make it different and interesting and fresh. And mm-hmm. they just didn't do that. They just said, let's just make it pretty. And it was pretty, but that's all I remember. I think Cats is this December. Because <sighs> okay. it's like at the same time as Star Wars. Because I saw, I don't watch that James Corden night show. No, God. I don't remember which one he has, but. Uh, he took over for Craig Ferguson, which. Yeah, which is a crime in and of itself. But I did watch (laughs) a clip of it last night because Donald Gleason was on. Mm. So, Mm. I mean, I had to. I was contractually obligated. Uh, You know who'd make a great fucking Sherlock Holmes? Donald Gleason. I don't know. Yeah, he would. He would. I also didn't think that he would make a great Levin, and he did. Okay. I was, I mean, I am always thinking Tom Hiddleston, and I just, I feel like I need to get him work. <laughs> I'm a little worried about him. Tom? I think Tom's doing okay. He's got his well, I mean, Loki he's, TV show. He's got his Loki TV show. He's doing a pincher play on Broadway right now. Mm-hmm. But that Centrum commercial, <laughs> I think we all forgot about that as a society, but I'm bringing it back. Guys, do you the remember Chinese this? The Centrum commercial was amazing. <laughs> God, thank you for reminding me of I that. I feel like we all just like let that go so quickly. And it's like, no, we have to hold on to this as a cultural moment. <laughs> Everyone, please. You look nice today. <laughs> I made you a pile of vegetables, some blackberries and an egg. Pepper on the side, right? <laughs> <laughs> Take your vitamins. <laughs> I have to leave now. Goodbye. I'll see you in six weeks. Like, are we dating? Hold on. Come back here. 
Where are you going? It's so weird. <laughs> uh, I'm not worried about Tom. I think Tom's going to be. I feel like he was in so many things so fast that he probably yeah. wanted to t- take some time and do some smaller stuff. Yeah, it was like it was all this stuff. And then, you know, I mean, he was dating Taylor Swift. Yeah. <laughs> I read that wonderful interview with him where he was just like, yeah, that was a whole thing, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> You're going to be asking answering questions about that for the rest of your life. Uh but yeah, but not Henry Cavill. No. Oh, but I guess since he's not Superman anymore, he needed something to do. I guess. He was in that there Mission Impossible. I just have a lot of problems because like Henry Cavill is a really big deal with like people that are in the Jane Austen fandom like people that love Jane Austen stories and adaptations and continuations and fan fiction like they freaking love Henry Cavill they think oh he's he should be Mr. Darcy he should be like he should be Mr. Knightley he should be all of these you know Austen heroes all of this and like when they started announcing the live action Little Mermaid it got really annoying because they'd already announced ariel mm-hmm. who is being played by a 19 year old actress let's keep that in mind 19 years old i cannot tell you how many of these people were like well henry should be prince eric i'm like he is like 30 something <laughs> like he should not be playing any kind of romantic interest to a 19 year old girl yeah period that's gross <laughs> like i mean he could play Prince Eric, if Ariel was a little cast, you know, a little older, I wouldn't have a problem with that because what is Prince Eric? He's just a blandly handsome fuckboy. Yeah. Yeah. So fine by me, but not against a 19 year old actress. And it's like, I don't know, the mentality around Henry Cavill and women that like find him attractive. It's almost like a cult and I don't mm. like it. It makes me incredibly uncomfortable the way that. A lot of it, it, okay, Megan, it's a lot like when Taylor Lautner took his shirt off in Twilight. It is so much like that. And like, granted, Henry Cavill is not a teenager, but the amount, the the number of times I see his picture on Facebook every day, like it would stagger you. It would stagger <laughs> you. Oh no. The obsessing that goes on over him. And I'm just like, he's all right, I guess. Like... He's an okay actor. I'm not dinging his acting abilities. I'm not dinging his looks. I'm just like, it's them. <laughs> They've like poisoned it for me. He's a real piece of work on the Tudors. So I'm still just kind of like. Eh. Well, yeah, I never quite got over that. First of all, <laughs> the his whole thing on the Tudors. And then there was some of his comments about like. You know, that interview he did for that Australian magazine that was like, oh, it's like men can't say anything to women anymore without them accusing them of harassment. I'm just like, what are you saying? Remember when he dated the chick from Big Bang Theory for like two weeks? I do not remember that. I I mean, he's like one of the few like beefcake hunky celebrities that I don't keep up with. A friend of mine was just not obsessed with it but like it just really entertained her because she Mm -hmm. was like this is the most constructed 
you guys are dating now like, <laughs> relationship of all time and it's so bizarre given the two of them and yeah all the pictures of them were just like them leaving whole foods together <laughs> like look we are dating <laughs> yeah none of we this is manufactured food. yeah and that was like the last i heard of him well that that has life. been my rant about henry cavill well i had my rant about james bond so, so i know. mean we're all entitled it's look it's been a long book one guys yeah <laughs> wait till we rant about the dark tower yeah so um moving on to that then as we've announced previously on the show but i feel like now that i've fixed my audio we should discuss it a little more <laughs> our next couple episodes are going to be a little different a little more interesting we're going to be not talking about the book we're going to talk about some other stuff um mm -hmm. as we've mentioned we're going to have our episode where we talk about I believe we've decided uh, the first book of the Dark Tower series. Okay. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we're, we'll be talking about the gunslinger at least and maybe kind of getting into the world of the Dark Tower and why we love it and why we obsess <laughs> about it as much, almost as much as Dune, if not more. <laughs> um, <laughs> we will have uh, our friend and the person that designed our logo, the very talented Josh Hollis, We'll be joining us to talk about Yodorovsky's Dune, uh, which you have never seen, and he has never seen. I'm the only yeah. one that's seen it. So it'll be interesting to get your takes because, like, I enjoy art cinema to a point. <laughs> like, I have a lot of opinions on what his Dune maybe would have looked like that might not align with what a lot of people think. <laughs> so there's that um hopefully we'll have a chance to talk about some of the like franchising and merchandising and things like that uh with our friend alex knee mm -hmm. so you have those to look forward to before we get into book two because we need yeah. we need a freaking break <laughs> <laughs> it's an intense series it is and I, I recommend like don't read it all the way through take breaks in between books read a romance novel we just read a great one <laughs> we did yeah it's called brazen and the beast it's amazing everyone it's should so read it good. yeah it's so good if you at all were like hey i too enjoy the works of tom hardy yeah i'm just gonna throw that out there uh ladies Yo. who like tom hardy get or or even gentlemen that like tom yeah. hardy get your hands on a copy of sarah mclean's Brazen, Brazen and the Beast, you will not be sorry. Mm -mm. Yes. We will not. Just because like, I finished that book and I was just like, why is it over? <laughs> I, I was tempted to go back and, and reread it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I haven't returned mine to the library and I keep looking at it like I have 800 <laughs> other things that I'm reading right now. But, but look at you sitting there. I could revisit this. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have anything else to add, Megan? No, I think that is it. Okay. Well, listeners, we'd love to hear from you, even though we're in, we're going to be on a, like a little mini break, but we still want to hear from you and what your experiences reading Dune are. Are you reading along with us? And are you as frustrated with this fucking kid as we are? You could reach us on Twitter at weirdingpod, weirdingpodcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. Let's get weirding. Uh, don't forget to show us your covers and fan art. And if anyone wants to put this uh, song to music that <laughs> was this <laughs> week's epigraph, like we totally want to hear it. Uh, send us letters. We'll read them on the show. And if you reach out to us on Twitter, 
throw on that hashtag send dunes. Yes, please. Yeah. So that does it for this week, and we will see you guys next time. Bye. Man, I kind of unloaded on Henry Cavill. <laughs>